So uh, there's there's coming a day when there's going to be no more sickness, death, or grief. That's our big hope. We call it heaven. But one of the things we don't often think about is that heaven started invading earth when Jesus came. When Jesus came to the earth and he started coming to various towns and villages, when Jesus came to town, uh, heaven started coming to town with healing power and new life and transformation. So I'm going to start right now with the sermon in the sentence. That's not what we usually do things, but this is this is what I want you to get out of the sermon today. Uh, when Jesus comes to town, heaven comes to town. All right. So when Jesus comes to town, heaven comes to town. Now, for everybody who thinks you can check out now, you can. But there's still some really good stuff coming, so I don't would hate for you to miss it. So what does that mean? Miracles happen when Jesus comes to town. Terminally ill patients are were healed. Blind people see. Deaf people hear. People tormented by demons were set free. Dead people left their graves to live again. And when Jesus came to town, heaven came. I would dare say, even now, when Jesus comes to town, heaven comes to town. Pastor Chris, Christy Lipscomb, who's pastors uh, one of our sister churches in Grand Rapids, City Life Church, uh, shared uh, the following post uh, just actually yesterday. Although how timely, I can use this tomorrow. Uh, she shared author Willie James Jennings uh, describes miracles as quote, a sign of divine retaking and holy restoration of a wayward creation. Miracles are a design, uh, a sign of divine retaking and holy restoration of a wayward creation. She went on to say, I like the idea of a miracle as a divine retaking, a taking back by God from the fallenness of creation. I like holy restoration of creation, that, of the creation that has been warped. She says, a create, Christian belief is that God created the earth as good and holy. Now the creation is warped by sin, and we all live under the warp, warpedness of that. Uh, Jesus' miracles are a reminder that one day there will be a complete retaking and a complete holy restoration. The Apostle John, one of Jesus' closest disciples, uh, in the very last book in what we call, uh, have in the New Testament, the book of Revelation wrote down a vision he had of heaven coming to earth to complete God's holy restoration and retaking. In Revelation 21, he wrote, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth 
had passed away. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. And then I heard a loud voice from the throne, the throne of heaven. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity. God will, listen to this, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will no longer exist. Grief, crying, and pain will exist no longer because the previous things have passed away. The one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. I think it's really important that we hear what that sentence. Not I will. I am. making everything. When Jesus comes to town, heaven comes to town. God is making everything new right here, right now. Not nearly as fast as most of us want it to happen. Oh, do you remember the thing I said earlier about grace, truth, and time? This is part of it. Growth happens. The ingredients of growth change are grace, truth, and time. God is at work through grace, truth, and time, this world. The next few weeks, we will be looking at uh, cases where Jesus came to town and brought heaven with him. Uh, in fact, it's going to be the next four weeks. And we're going to be looking at some examples from the Matthew's record. Matthew recorded the life of Jesus as Jesus walked the dusty roads and paths of ancient Palestine. In Matthew chapter 8, uh, Jesus brought heaven to town by curing all kinds of illnesses in the city of Capernaum. The city. Now, that gives you the wrong impression. Town. Uh, that's probably even too big. The village. Uh, estimates are they had a population of 1,000 to 1,500 people. So, not a very big town. It was an important little town, but it was not a very big town. So, Jesus brought heaven to Capernaum in Matthew chapter 8 by healing all kinds of diseases, calming the storm on the Sea of Galilee, when his disciples thought they were all going to drown, and casting demons out of people. In fact, the neighbors of the last two men that Jesus liberated from demonic oppression begged him to leave. Wait, I just want you to stop. Can you, can you imagine when Jesus came to their neighborhood and liberated two of their neighbors who had basically been terrorizing them for years? Everybody was scared to death of these two guys. No one could control them and nobody wanted to go near them. They stayed away from them, and Jesus comes and he heals them, sets them free, and now they're fine. And the people said, would you please leave? You're scary. Or something, I don't know exactly, but they begged him to leave. Uh, when Jesus came to their neighborhood, heaven came with them, and they asked him to leave. And Matthew chapter 9, verse 1 says, Jesus, so 
Jesus got in a boat and crossed over the Sea of Galilee, the Lake of Galilee, and came to his own town. Now, quick reminder, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. We celebrate that at Christmas time. He grew up in Nazareth, but as an adult, he moved to Capernaum. That was his town. It was a town on the Sea of Galilee. It was the home of Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Three of those men were his closest disciples. Uh, they were fishermen. He called them. They were the first four disciples that he called. Uh, and he launched his healing ministry here. He came to his own town. After calming a storm and Sending a couple of guys free and then being asked to leave, he came home. When Jesus came to any town, unusual things happened. And just as they came home, it tells us in Matthew 9, just then some men brought him a paralytic lying on a mat. Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, have courage, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, I don't know what they thought, but I would be thinking, you know, we brought the guy here to be healed. Forgiving sins is fine, but we want him to get back to work. Maybe I'm the only one who thinks like that, okay? But... Just as sure as Jesus brought heaven to town, there's always someone around ready, always ready uh, to catch him breaking their rules. And this is no different. Some of the scribes said among themselves, he's blaspheming. Only they didn't say it that loud. They just kind of whispered it to themselves. These experts in religious rules were muttering at best. And they were just kind of thinking to themselves, you can't say that. Don't talk like that. Who do you think you are? Only God can forgive sins. Stop acting like you're God. Now Jesus understood that actions spoke louder than words. Actions always speak louder than words. He tells us, but perceiving their thoughts, Jesus said, why are you thinking evil things in your heart? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? So just pause for a moment. Which is easier to say? What's well, a whole lot easier to say, your sins are forgiven. Because who's going to know if it didn't happen? But if you tell somebody who's been paralyzed, get up and walk, and it doesn't happen, everybody's going to know. But listen to what Jesus says. So you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he told the paralytic, get up, pick up your mat, and go home. And he got up and went home. Now, let's want to stop for a moment. Why did Jesus call himself the Son of Man? This is actually one of the favorite terms Jesus had for himself. And, and it's kind of a puzzle. A puzzle phrase. 
it, I mean, it could mean that simple I. It could be somebody like me. But in Matthew, it always, it most always conveys this idea of having some authority with it. And I think he ties it back to one of Israel's ancient prophets, Daniel. Daniel reported one of his one of his prophetic visions in Daniel chapter 7. He says, I kept watching, as I kept watching, thrones were set in place in the ancient of days, one of the names for God. The ancient of days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, the hair of his head like whitest wool. His throne was flaming fire. Its wheels were blazing fire. A river of fire was flowing out from his presence. Thousands upon thousands served him. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was convened and the books were opened. I continued watching in the night visions and I saw one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. Clouds of heaven were God's mode of transportation in many of the prophetic visions and psalms. He approached the Ancient of Days and was escorted before him. He was the Son of Man. He was given authority to rule and glory and a kingdom so that those of every people, nation, and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. His kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. In Daniel's vision, the Ancient of Days, God treats this Son of Man as an equal and gives him authority to rule everyone everywhere. And Jesus chose that term for himself because he saw he was the fulfillment of that. He was that son of man who came with the authority to rule everything everywhere. Well, I'm not sure about that. Well, the last thing Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 28 was... All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Not some, not most, all. It's the last thing he said before he said, go make disciples. I think Jesus used this phrase that could mean several different things for the same reason he told parables. Jesus wanted people to wrestle with his teachings and he wanted him to wrestle with this idea. Who is this son of man? What's he trying to say when he's doing this? And he wanted them to wrestle with his identity. We're still wrestling with it 2,000 years later. There's still people arguing about who is he really? But actions speak louder than words. And Jesus knew that. And he said, if 
I have the authority to heal this man, then I must have the authority to forgive his sins as well, because only God could do either one of these things. Now, we live in an age when all kinds of things can be done for paralyzed people. Surgeries can be performed, restorations can be done, and after months, maybe even years of rehabilitation and physical therapy, people who were paralyzed can walk. But we're talking about somebody who went from being absolutely, totally paralyzed to taking up their mat and walking home. But all the rehab and all that medical surgery stuff happening in an instant. I'm thankful for medical advancements. I wanted to be a doctor at one point. I married a nurse. My sister's a nurse who teaches nurses. I better like medical stuff. Well, I'm getting old, so I'm spending more and more time with doctors. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but only God can do things instantaneously that we take years or months to do. And so that raises a question. Is it really blasphemy for Jesus to declare a person's sins forgiven if Jesus has the authority to forgive those sins and can prove it. I don't think so. So here's the earth-shaking implication of heaven coming to Capernaum, to town, for that paralyzed man 2,000 years ago. God is Jesus. So Jesus has the authority to heal and to forgive sins. So when Jesus comes to town, heaven comes to town because God comes to town. Bible scholar N.T. Wright says, faith in Christian terms means believing that the living God has entrusted his authority to Jesus, who is now exercising it for the salvation of the whole world. So, the ancient of days gave the Son of Man his authority, and the Son of Man is exercising it to set uh, things straight in this world. Behold, I am making all things new. I am making things new. We can complain, and we often do, but what else can we say? Well, the, the crowds who saw it happen were awestruck, and they gave glory to God who had given such authority to men, to human beings. When Jesus comes, comes to town, heaven comes to town. We need to come to grips with the idea that Jesus just isn't somebody with some good ideas and some good teachings. He isn't just somebody who's going to help us understand how to have a better relationship with God. 
He is somebody with authority over everything in the physical world and everything in the spiritual or non-physical world that can attack us and be thrown at us. And we can trust Jesus with every aspect of our lives. God is Jesus. Jesus is God. So Jesus has all God's authority. But the real question is, do you actually treat Jesus as though he has authority over every aspect and area of your life? How often do you resort to complaining and grumbling about the storms? Okay, just a word for all of us perfectionists. Grace, that's three words, grace, truth, and time. This is not a pass-fail thing. This is just like, okay, let's be honest. Let's give ourselves grace, let's accept grace, and Luke's work to do better. But when was the last time you expected Jesus, really expected Jesus to intervene on your behalf? It's so easy for us to just go, it's not going to happen. What might shift if you look for life-changing, sea-parting, storm-calming, chain-breaking, mountain-moving miracles in your world? Jesus comes to town, heaven comes to town. Let's pray. King Jesus, you are our healer. You are with us. You are our comfort in every trial. You are our hope. You are our shield and our protector. King Jesus, come and take your rightful place in our lives. Help us to recognize that you have all authority. Open our eyes to your Spirit's presence the reality of your presence. King Jesus, do what only you can do. <clears throat> Let us behold all you are. <clears throat> Fill us with your Holy Spirit. And dwell us with power. Ignite us with your love. Renew us us. Give us your heart, Lord Jesus.
We will trust you as you lead us, move us, and change us. Your power, your victory, your love alive in us, working in us, touching lives through us. That's our desire on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Amen. Again, folks who are online, we want to thank you for connecting with us. If you haven't already, we'll encourage you to join the Champions of Hope Facebook group. Links in the description for the event. Uh, we'll give you some unique contact content there and ways to connect with uh, others who are on that mission of infusing people with the hope of Jesus. Jesus sends his followers, he sends us as the Father sent him to seek and to find his missing children. We are sent. Let's go in the love and power of the Holy Spirit. Your sins. Go with Jesus.